gospel lesson for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Let us hear the word of God. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We give you thanks this day that we have walked the boundary of prayer, that place, that place of hospitality and of truthfulness, of invitation and incarnation. For your son Jesus has invited us to pray, to be a part and engaged in a conversation with you that we may know life and that we may know your nature in this relationship and in this conversation. And we give you thanks for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Dave is here. It is great to have you here. Uh, One of of, uh, my uh, mentors and friends in our connection. And in fact, if I would have known he'd be here, I would have done a better sermon for you all. But as it is, you're just going to get what I got. I uh, recently have learned, not that this is going to have anything to do with, I recently learned how to stream Netflix. Now that's a big step for us in the Jerdy household because up until this time, we would get a Netflix thing in the mail. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a little red envelope. And then I and Sarah would run to that And since my wife picks them out, she puts them in a queue. And they're usually movies like Brett and Chip and Alice go on a journey of discovery. And in that journey of discovery, they discover true love. So not that long ago, a movie came called Big Fish. Oh, and I thought, now we're talking. This has got to be a movie about 
like real men going out on boats and catching real fish. I mean, big fish. The kind that when you get on the line, you don't know if that fish is going to end up in the boat or you're going to end up in the water. That's what I'm talking about. And I go, yes. But that's not what it was about. It's about a, about a guy who told the story of his life. And it was colorful and it was dramatic. And he and his son had had issues. And, and the son never quite believed the stories. Um, 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 and, and, and finally, at the end of the movie, his father turned into a big fish and there was reconciliation all around. I'm avoiding some of the main themes and subplots in the movie. However, one of those, um, there was a witch, and, and the children were afraid, except for this guy who later turned into the fish. He wasn't afraid because you could go to this witch's house, you could look into her eye, and when you looked into her eye, you would know how you were going to die. Not very many people did that. Some of what we're talking about and have talked about in this series is what's the story, what narrative are you going to believe? Because the main character went through this story knowing something about his mortality, it changed the dynamic, it changed the way that he engaged with all kinds and sorts of people. I would hope, I would pray, that as we have been thinking corporately about the Lord's Prayer, that, that they would have something of the same effect, that, it's, that, that, that it, it really is a prayer that helps us to know how to live. It is the prayer of the one who brings together life and death, and so that when we look into the Lord's Prayer, not only may, may we have comfort in the end, but we may know how to live life fully now. That is the kingdom. That is the glory in Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. A tabloid news carried the story stating simply that a small town emergency squad was summoned to a house where smoke was pouring out of the upstairs window. The crew broke in and found a man in, bed, in a bed that was smoldering. After the man was rescued and the mattress doused with water, the obvious question was asked, how did that happen? The man replied, I don't know. It was on fire when I lay down on it. <laughs> this is Robert Fulgham, story I've heard for many years. And after many years as a pastor, I now can confess to you, I can imagine a person to be so foolish. I can. I'm saying I can imagine a person who would be so foolish as to lay down on a burning bed. I wonder if you can too. How many of us, knowing we were about to do something unwise, even destructive to ourselves or others, did it anyways? 
all of us. So if you don't quite get, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, think again. For today we're wrapping up the Lord's Prayer, addressing God as a loving parent. We have committed ourselves to joining with God in establishing God's kingdom of love and of grace. We have sought to align our will with God's will. We have prayed for provisions of our daily needs. We have asked for forgiveness as we have forgiven others. Today we are exploring this petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in the time remaining, we'll talk a bit about the doxology at the end. In this prayer, in these sentences, we pray for the completion of what God has done. It is already true that God does not lead us into temptation. James' first chapter, as a commentary on the Lord's Prayer reads, No one, when tempted, should say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. The spirit of the prayer is for God to keep us strong that we may resist temptation. And since temptation is unavoidable, we must always pray. The Lord's Prayer has taught us after we pray for strength, we are instructed to pray for rescue. In this prayer, we recognize that many things in life promise daily bread. Adam and Eve believed they had to have some fruit. We too believe that we are not strong enough to resist temptation, yet in this prayer we ask for the strength. In Ephesians 6, it teaches us to clothe ourselves in God's armor, to give us strength in the fight against evil. Far from advocating a violence or being a military metaphor, the metaphor challenges us to guard ourselves with truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, and the knowledge of our, discern, of our salvation and discernment of what God would have us speak in our world. Let me remind you in these weeks that the Lord's Prayer um, the word is used again and again, us and not me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Although we sin individually, we sin corporately as well. I want to underline this for our life together in community. When community is broken, when unity is not um, desired among all the brothers and sisters, then we must call ourselves to be more prayerful. For whatever gathering, whatever place we come, we come as people who pray this prayer. This prayer is not for me to pray by myself, for myself, but for all of us. It is for whole communities, whole societies, whole nations, and the world who needs to be kept away from that which does not satisfy. I want to call us to think seriously about these things. And as I thought about these things this, this week, and as we begin Lent, I thought about Jesus' own temptation. Following his baptism by John, 
Jesus retreats in the wilderness for 40 days. He prayed, fasted, fasted, and was tempted by Satan. This personification of evil first tempted him to put aside his vow of fasting in order to be eat, in order to eat and be satisfied. It was a temptation to seek to be filled in a way that seemed innocent, yet to leave a spiritual deficit. The desire for material things, of trying to fill the void in our lives by bread that does not last, the clutter in our drawers, the overpacked schedules, the credit cards, the mortgages, the car loans. It is the stuff that promises so much happiness and gives anxiety in return. Jesus remembered the teaching from Scripture that we do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. After Jesus resisted the temptation to eat, Satan tempted him to flaunt his special status, suggesting him to throw himself over a cliff to be rescued by angels. Many of us have status anxiety. Our business cards, membership cards, degrees and certificates try to tell us that what we are to do. We size one another up thinking we have someone figured out if we, we know their occupation, their religious affiliation, their race, their age. Even parents in the park forget to ask each other their names when they get to talking, only introducing their children. The temptation is to compare parenting styles, to use their children's successes and failures to gauge the other's worth. When he resisted temptation, Satan offered the world for Jesus' soul. The temptation was to give up God. We are living in anxious, fearful times. Today, in part of our ecumenical cycle, we prayed for Portugal and Spain and Italy, and I asked the prayer uh, service folks, what comes to mind? And it was the financial crisis, the turmoil that exists in our world. We know so many who are without jobs, so many who struggle. The temptation is felt to drop down into despair, to lose hope, to stop fighting for justice, to run from grace and mercy. At times, we are tempted to compromise our values and our faith, to give up prayer, to forget the good news. Jesus refused. He knew the text, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We are offered, buy one, get one for 50% off. Plenty of space in the biosphere to show how great we are and, in the world of our, and how great our, the world of our soul is. When we remember that we are God's beloved, we are given strength to resist, resist temptation, to lead, to be led to ourselves, and, and instead to accept God's offering of deliverance and transformation. I found in my preparation a prayer which is an inversion of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> I want to call it the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Prayer. It goes like this. Master of the earth, exalt my name above all others. Give me a kingdom where my will is never thwarted. 
Let me take whatever I wish and grant me vengeance over all who oppose me. Let me satisfy my every desire and give me the power to crush anyone who stands in my way. Isn't the temptation to be oriented to our own desires? This Lord's Prayer seeks to open us up and orient our gaze to God and to the world. Psalm 121 is a blessing that we can use as a prayer for strength and rescue. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He will bless you. He will keep you. He will not slumber. Will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forevermore. The prayer concludes, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. While that fulfillment must wait until the last day, the kingdom, power, and glory are already in God's hands. I think about Mary here, the mother of Jesus. I think about Mary too, Magdalene, who in the span of just a few days would move from calling Jesus rabbi to calling him Christ. For following the resurrection, she would greet the risen Lord and she would recognize him by his voice and her name as he spoke it, Mary. Her world was changed. Ours might be changed too. We may no longer see Jesus just as an ethical teacher, but as the instrument of God's kingdom and glory here and now. We can pray for God's kingdom because the kingdom is Christ for the hallowing of his name because the glory is his, for the doing of his will because the power is his, bread, forgiveness, and deliverance also because they are gifts of the kingdom. Would you live this gift? Would you know this gift? Would you believe that you knew how the story would end? God is with us giving us strength through all of life's challenges, crises, and temptations. We struggle and at times feel helpless that the call to live like Christ is just too difficult, but we pray to accept the deliverance that God offers us. It may have been on fire when we laid down on it, but when our rescuer comes, we need to accept that outstretched hand. God rescues us from ourselves here, from our desires, for that which leave us, leaves us empty. God fills us, nourishes us, and sustains us. Amen.